You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yo. Hey, and Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Hey, hey, Brian McCubbin. Happy New Year, everyone. 2024. Hey, Brad Wren. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. And John Curley. Hey, iRacers. Welcome back. On the show today, iRacing kicks off 2024 with some more clues about the upcoming IndyCar series. We ask, what are your iRacing New Year's resolutions? And could we have seen the fastest speeds ever in iRacing? That's right. And if you join us at iRacersLounge.com and select show notes, you'll be able to see all these great stories and products we'll discuss today's show. So log in, check it out, and we'll see you at iRacersLounge.com. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best to have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. still haven't been able to be on in a while he did join us for the the uh fun race that we did the other day but this topic is right up his alley what we're looking at is motor racing media has posted on their facebook an, an updated look at the newly reconfigured auto club speedway and what it might look like like an architect drawing layout kind of look and boy if you look at the shape of the track i mean what comes to mind guys it looks like a pickle I'm going to call it the Pickle yeah. Raceway. It looks like a curved Martinsville, a Martinsville with curves down the straightaways. It's, it's, it's odd. I've never seen a track quite like that. Well, it is D-shaped. So one, what the back straight is straight, whereas the front straight is, is more of that D-shape, which gives you... They do that all the time now because it lets you put more seats in, basically, on the front stretch. Wait, wait. It's a pickle with a, a quad oval? No, not a not a quad oval. It's D shaped, oh. more like a parentheses shaped. <laughs> I see more. Of a, so it's like Richmond, the front stretch of Richmond. Okay. I see more of a hot dog. Hot dog. A bloated sausage. Brats. They should they should start selling <laughs> they should start selling brats there shaped exactly like the track. Okay, now look if if you're a track designer. Whoever is designing this, I don't know if it's somebody who works at iRacing, is it somebody at NASCAR, is it a combination of, what are they thinking, guys, when they're like, okay, we want long, we have this really small space, we want as long a straightaway as we can, but we want the really tight, tight turns so they have to slow down. Is that what they're thinking? I mean, are, the, are these turns too tight? Well, we don't have anything to scale, so it'd be hard-pressed to really get a, an accurate idea of how big the track is. Is it only a matter of time till 
this landscaping around it complains that uh, they got a racetrack that's built with, around it and they're going to complain about noise complaints or something like that. I mean, that's oh. a good point, Greg. There's buildings all around the racetrack, okay? It's not like it's open land and parking and there's li literally large buildings. That's what I was going to say. Where are they going to park? Is there an area that's still not on this map that, that they used to use for parking or something? Well, if you look on the map right above where it says Motor Racing Media, that is a parking lot. So my understanding is all of the area around it is supposed to be industrial. So in theory, you wouldn't have residents. You're just going to have businesses there. Okay, I thought those were stands above it. So it doesn't look like there's a lot of stands. Maybe it's just the scale of it. I don't know. The stands are all on the front stretch. Right, but that's that doesn't leave a lot for a short track. And think about Bristol, you know, it's like a coliseum. There's there's packed stands all the way around the entire track. And if this is supposed to be about a half mile or so, you know, that's that's tiny. Well, with those really tight turns, do you think it's flat or banked? I, I wonder if they introduce some I wonder if they introduce some type of something new, like a different type of banking that you wouldn't see on a short track, because we're not used to short tracks with banking that much, right? Besides Bristol. I wonder if they're making like a little bit bigger version of the Coliseum track, you know? I mean, that's only like a little over a quarter mile, but this thing's a little, you know, going to be twice the size, but it's it's kind of got that shape. It does. It does have that same look as the the L.A. Coliseum. And that's flat as a pancake, right? There's no banking at L.A. I wonder if that's the idea. You know, they their three-year deal will be up with the L.A. Coliseum, and they want the same kind of race or whatever. So they just, you know, they have California now. They have Fontana. So they want their version of the NIS Martinsville? They got the pickle track at Fontana. That, that, that's a good name. Well, that would give this track two dates then, right? The, if they do like the clash there, because California was only ever one track race or one race track. You know, with the success of Chicago, you wonder if they're going to, you know, think about a street race or something for the clash and move it around. I would pause on the, the Chicago thing. Let's see what happens after you have the second one. That's a good point, and I think that's a great point. Once the newness wears off, who knows what that event's going to turn into. You know, Dirt Bristol was fine the first time. Was it? Was it? <laughs> no, no, not really. No, let's let's throw away the, the one of the best short tracks on the circuit. Wait, wait. Did they ever take the windshields off the cars? I, I don't think they did, so I, I yeah. All right. So in the chat, we've been talking, everybody's been talking their yearly stats. I think we covered yours last week, didn't we, Mike? Uh, somebody posted stats for Tuckles. How about, uh, how about this one, Brian? Yeah, this is actually posted out by iRacing, who, who linked onto Tuckles' post. So Tuckles posted that in 2023, he had 2,433 starts. He uh, he had 646 wins and 1,422 top fives and uh, uh, just over 112,000 laps driven. So this guy is spending a lot of time on iRacing. If you do the math for 365 days a year, it comes out to almost just shy of seven starts a day. That's without taking a break. You know, this guy is 
on here all the time. That's crazy. What did anybody see what he actually races in which series? Well, no, I didn't look. Yeah, I don't know either. But for the amount of laps for that many starts, he's he's turning a quite a good, you know, a, quite a good amount of laps, right? Yeah, if you look on his X page, it's got a picture of the the cup car, so I assume that's what he does. Does he do anything else besides eye racing? Like, <laughs> I don't know how he does. That's crazy. Six I wish starts a day. At least. I wish we had this stat during COVID. I wish we had this stat during COVID because I was off for six months straight. <laughs> he obviously doesn't work. <laughs> That's a good point. Now these stats came via email to every. I think everybody. I I think Brad, you t said you didn't get one, but it came in the email. I got mine. I just found it. I did share it with the team earlier this week. Um, and it says I have seven wins, sixty-three top fives, eighteen thousand eight hundred ninety-four laps. And I led 708 laps. I only did 270 starts. Average start 12th, average finish 13th. I've got mine 319 starts, uh, average start 12th, average finish 12th, 10 wins, 88 top fives, 20,700 laps. We're pretty similar numbers. And how many laps led? 114. So a couple of thoughts. This is neat when you see stats like this that are just fed, you know, handed to you. iRacing needs to do this in the UI proactively, show people their stats. Dude, it's the end of the year. Look at what you did. You got seven wins this year, you know, or something like that, you know, and don't make people go looking for stats. And the other thing I'm going to say about stats is, iRacing needs to step it up. I went looking for what NIS wins did I get and this and that. It's almost impossible to dig this information up in the current system. In fact, I was using third-party tools like iRacingTrophies.com to actually uh, get the answers uh, fairly quickly. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress a little bit. Yeah, no, I think you're right, though, Mike. Is, is iRacing just trying to be so not like a video game, you know what I mean, that, they, that they, they're almost ignoring stuff like that? It just doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Well, Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, racers like stats. I mean, if that's the, if they didn't, you wouldn't have RacingReference.com that tracks, you know, from a, from the NASCAR side, everything like that. I mean, racers like stats. So I, I agree, Mike. I think it's a it's a wasted opportunity to make something that's that should be easy to maintain. It's a database. It knows what you're doing. I can go. You can go back and go through your results. So it just needs to be formulated into some sort of searchable um, interface, web page, something. They have developers. I mean, these guys, this is their bread and butter. I mean, to make stuff like that. And with the the rise of chat GPT and other AI like engines and services, I was, you know, when I was trying to compile that list of NIS wins, it took, it took a bit, but could you imagine, you know, Hey Siri, how many NIS wins do I have? And they give you an answer or, Hey, um, what was my worst finish of the year? 
or you know you could just ask questions like that like queries it would definitely be handy all right but might might be a more urgent concern and i think you've run into something like this as well a couple of times mike we got a problem with the sim not loading yeah and i think the i think that the uh, consistency in this thread is uh, they're launching from the beta ui because guess what i had the same problem uh, i was trying to race i don't know who i was racing with um somebody on the team and i actually missed the start because i couldn't load in um and i kept getting to the 90 percent mark and it would just stop it would just freeze and i tried two or three times after i missed the start i close up the beta ui i think at one point i closed it restarted it and tried it again it, it did the same thing so i finally closed it and went to the website the old members website there's the green button i hit it boom i'm in i'm in the race no problem at all it worked like a charm i have yet to have an issue i'm still using the website <laughs> not for long they said it they would turn it off right after the beginning of the new year uh, if you recall but uh i'm not the only one and i you know i, I see this thread in the forums called sim not loading past 90 and we have a guy luke smoker who had the same problem uh, a guy uh, stefan jones had the same problem um so yeah i'm not the only one no. there was a staff member who put in there um some help help points for them he said that uh, feeling the load 90% is often due to the system running out of video memory when attempting to launch the sim. He'd suggest a couple of fixes in the UI. Make sure you have the correct display mode selected. Um, a couple other things, but still, it seems it seems awful coincidental that it's right when the UI is getting ready to be launched officially as the only one. Yeah, I, I had this happen uh, three times last week, but it stopped at 15 percent and of course it it docked my i rating every time i couldn't get in the race i think the night that it happened i lost 300 i rating because of this yikes yeah so look to the to the response to the staff member who said you know you don't have enough you know display memory or whatever it is then why did it launch from the website immediately like seconds later like after i gave up using your new new beta ui to launch a, a simple session and it can't even launch it and i can just go to the website and push one button and i'm in you know if it's all this other stuff or these settings then why does it work from the website we're gonna, we're gonna need to come up with a, a, a protest memes and bring back the website well they're gonna find out they're going to, you know, how they call it, F-A-F-O. Um, they're going to disable the website, the old website. And then these kind of problems are going to, are they're going to crop up, you know, and members aren't going to be able to race. And people like John are going to get upset because he can't, he lost 300 I rating and forms are going to fill up and they're going to, you know, F-A-F-O. Well, hopefully they'll get a grip on it at some point. Uh, but Brad, doesn't uh, Connie have the grip? Yeah, he does. So a uh, post on X from Michael Conte uh, with a quote says, a wise racer once said, when I went down into the corner, I was hoping the grip level would match my commitment level. So uh, Team Conte has been pretty uh, aggressive with their social posts in regards to uh, 
the the dominance that they've had uh, in most of the top splits. So uh, Michael posted a video, I guess, of him at Atlanta this week, uh, being able to run a low line and uh, just having some some great racing uh, at Atlanta at the 2008 Atlanta, I believe. I think he's more talking about not just how they're running, but how this new oval refresh package is working out. You know, I, th I think what he's showcasing here in the video is the multiple lines that are working. You know, you can run the bottom, you can run the top, you can be competitive. And uh, yeah, it looked pretty cool. Is anybody else, do, you, do we feel like the multiple grooves are starting to show up? I kept looking for it last night in our league race and I, I just didn't seem to get it. I, you're, I'm with you, Brad. I don't feel anything different. I mean, this video is impressive that Mike puts up of him going, you know, two and three wide at Atlanta and driving around the outside of these guys. You know, it kind of looks like it's working, at least in the video. But you're right. When we're in the league race, and I think, Greg, you said, oh, boring. Because we were all the same speed. We're all on the same line. And nobody's really trying different lines. I said boring, and then it started getting more interesting as the the first like twenty laps of that race was everybody's grip level was the same, and then it started showing through of who was driving which way in the race. So I guess I prematurely said boring for that one, but I just think it's it's kind of we just I, I don't know. I'm just I still want more horsepower. That's always all I I'm going to want. I'll fix it. But at least it was for the most part clean, right? which we still mostly get there. And I had really terrible luck last week. I never even went back to look and see who it was or anything because it was just one of those unlucky situations with with somebody in the front getting loose. But, um, yeah, I, I don't like calling any race where everybody – is able to concentrate on long run speed boring because that's that's how we kind of want the races to go even though we don't want to want it to go that way when we're watching it on tv at least some people don't i like a long green flag run on t on on the in the real life racing all right greg i'm pretty sure you found this one so why don't you take this one yeah so uh former champion uh, casey kerwin posted on twitter or x that uh his time at Xset Racing has come to an end. He uh, massively appreciates everything they've done uh, for me over the past three years and enjoy everything uh, we accomplished together. Wish all of them the best in the future. So obviously, is this setting up, Mike, we're obviously setting up in the offseason here for things to start getting signed and going here. Um, I like that he posted a couple of pictures here. He's got the one with Earnhardt and him holding the trophy and stuff and uh, just... Uh, some of his uh, accomplishments over the years with that team. I see this as a couple different stories that it could be. It's either Xset is leaving the Coke series, you know, as a team, and uh, he's proactively putting it out there before the draft starts so the other teams know that he's a free agent. Uh, or he's decided or already signed with a different team uh, and and already told Xset that he won't be renewing, even though he's been with them for three years. I'll put my money on the first one. Yeah, Xset leaving. Yeah, we just saw uh, Stuart Haas pull out last week, right? Right, and then Mike Conti said he's definitely picking up a team. So we, he's coming into the series. We we this is the second team we've heard that's leaving the series. Well, we so haven't heard this. Be since... some shakeup. We hadn't heard this team's leaving yet. 
No, but we assume it. Yeah. Well, you had, uh, I guess, what Herbie Sadler esports as well left. That was announced, I think, before the end of the year. Correct. Yeah, that's true, too. All right. We got another MSG M update, John. Yeah, back in the news again, motorsports games, uh, their problems just keep snowballing. But uh, now they're out of compliance with NASDAQ regarding minimum amount of required shareholders in the company. And they've either got to get back in compliance or they're going to get delisted and uh, would have to declare bankruptcy, according to a post on X by JPET27. I'm not sure about uh, the validity of what he says may be true, maybe not. Don't know, but boy, they just keep they just keep falling, man. That company's going down, down fast. Well, I, I know the poster. I've mentioned him before. Justin Petschauer was a guy who ran in the NIS for several years, and then he uh, famously uh, quit, rage quit the series due to the new car and the lack of horsepower. Uh, and then he did something similar with IndyCar when IndyCar left. And and so now I don't even think he's in iRacing. But anyway, I think this stuff is like public record because of the stock market and all that stuff. Um, and so he just dug it up. And so he went looking for it. And so, yeah, he tweeted about it. And so basically there's rules. Like if you don't have, you know meet these minimums and da, 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 this is what happens. And you basically uh, do chapter seven bankruptcy is what he's saying. It feels like we just keep putting bullets in this, this horse and it won't go down. <laughs> soon. Hashtag soon, right? But it's worked out, right? We got the NASCAR license, the console license. IndyCar is coming back. You know, we don't know in what capacity, but it's looking really good. So, I mean, what's what's left? We got to get Lamar back, and and then everything will be right in the sim racing universe. Yeah, then maybe Max Verstappen will run the uh, Lamar again instead of boycotting it. If it's on iRacing, why wouldn't he? It was a joke. The when he that race when he decided said that I'll never run this again. That was a joke. The way that that was uh, officiated. They were given laps back for disconnect situations, and 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 his team had one, and and they didn't get one when other teams did, and it was just really un uncool. All right, before we hit the next topic, we wanted to tell you about a discount you can get on Team Conti's Sim Performance gear and our subscriptions. Um, you can enter iRacers Lounge 10 and at checkout and get 10% off any eNASCAR Performance Pass. I guess they don't actually have any, any uh, merch yet. Yeah, this is, um, I, you know, my bad, guys. He gave me this code when we started um with team conti and i didn't get the message I, I i stumbled across it this week and i'm like mike i'm so sorry and i asked him is this code still good uh for our listeners and he said absolutely so uh write that down guys all one word iRacers lounge 10 and mike also told me they're starting i think it was today or yesterday a truck subscription specifically um weekly uh sets or you can do a monthly uh price and and save uh, up to 18 dollars so this is probably to get ready for um the upcoming road to pro it's pretty popular you know people getting ready yeah that'll be starting right after daytona right 
All right, this next one, Greg, has me feeling nervous about places I was standing just last January or February. Uh, yeah, it was. I guess it was me that found this. Um, uh, was it Joey Ms. Mizwich? Sorry if I screw that up, Joey. Um, during the 24-hour testing uh, that he was doing, he discovered some areas in the infield that are much more accessible than I remember them being, and uh, it shows him skidding off and into the RV park on the infield. And uh, like you said, David, you were walking around there last was it was it last year? Yep. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, that's not a uh, uh, coincidence, or not a coincidence, but a, a place where uh, that's going to have a lot of accidents next year, <laughs> this uh, 24 hours. Now that's right before the carousel, right when you hit the brakes on the left, like right before the wall starts, there's an opening there. And like he darted off into that opening. So I was, I don't know if it was last week or earlier, this must have been last week, I was just kind of going through some of the different series and somebody was running at Daytona, but the configuration was using that access road to come back up on the track. So it makes sense if you can go back there, you know, it is part of a viable track depending on what the configuration is. The guy does a nice little loop-de-loop -loop and saves the car too. So pretty cool video. I wonder how long until they have get the new scan data for Daytona and get rid of all the grass that's on the back straight. Well, yeah, that just happened uh, over the summer, right? They paved uh, all that down. Uh, and Bobby told us that that was due to uh, a guy getting killed, actually, in one of the um, um, touring car series. Uh, got wrecked back there or something, and that, that was the result. They ended up paving it. Yeah, so I wonder, like, once they pave this, David and any of the guys that run the road here, that's obviously going to change. Like when we see it finally paved, it's going to change your eye or your concentration of where the turn in is because it's just markings now. There is no grass and then opening to go into the bus stop. I don't think I use the grass to, to paste that anyway. I, I tend to use the, I actually look at the wall and the fence. The signs on the wall, yeah. Just put some turtles over there. That'll help you make it. Yeah, break markers. Turtle, turtle. Well, um, how do I transition into this one? I might just have to back into it. This one's nuts. I'll start this one off. I mean, DJ EJ, you know, surprises again, puts out a very entertaining video for any sim racer who's been on iRacing. A glitch. He said a glitched iRacing to beat its top speed record. And so it wasn't him that found it, but some other iRacer. And then he sent him the information and then he put up, you know, and then he tried it and put a video together. But basically, if you go in reverse at a big track in uh, one of these, I think it's a NASCAR Gen 7, I can't tell. Uh, no, it was there's a late no model. late model. Okay. And he gets going and then you like kick it out of gear and you're like in neutral or you push the clutch in the momentum of the car continues to increase like you have the gas down and it goes faster and faster and faster and you go up to 250 mile an hour you got up to 312. as a matter matter of fact it could even blow out the engine and then put the clutch back in and it would keep accelerating um 
the way he got to the 312 actually was at the iRacing Super Speedway. He went, you know, backwards down the straightaway really fast, like 250. And then he got in, and then he went real fast into the grass down at turn one. And when he hit the grass, it actually increased the speed exponentially. And so right at the end of the grass before he went up into the banking is when he hit 312. So like he gained 60, 70 mile an hour just by going over the grass, which I guess that sounds like another glitch. It, it makes you kind of wonder, how do you find these things? I mean, I, 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 I can't even think the last time I put the late model in reverse to begin with. And how do you, I mean, yeah, why do they, do they just spend their time hunting for all the glitches? Do they just get so bored? And it's like, let's try every stupid thing I can do. Hey, that's what I've done. I, I drive around a track looking for jumps and stuff, and I'll go around the back of the wall and looking for, you know, those wormholes, as they call them, or whatever. I've done all that, but I haven't tried stuff like this. You know, the other thing he said is, this is really, really, really hard to drive in reverse, where the steering of the car is the back tires, because it's the car's backwards, and hold it on the track. He said that you've got to hold it so straight. And if you turn the wheel at all, you're done. And he said it's actually the hardest thing he's ever raced in iRacing. The hardest thing he's driven, I guess you would say. A couple of things I noticed in the video is, for one, he said uh, he reported this to iRacing as a, as a glitch. So um, he kind of like... He, 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 he's uh, trying to get it fixed. The other thing is he's also trying to, he's given away uh, what $25 an iRacing gift card for whoever submits the fastest time using this hack. So he, in, a, in a way he wants to fix another way he's promoting it for other people to try. Well, look, it's still there until they patch it. Right. Uh, yep. So until a patch comes out, Hey, try it. I, you know, maybe I'll try that tonight. I'll go on a super, I racing super speedway and try to go in reverse in like the gen five car or something. And it's not exactly that something that you can exploit to, to get a win or anything. So if it's, if I guess it's no big deal if it's just being used in, in time wastage. Well, what's interesting about it too, I think is initially I thought, okay, is there's a gear bug with the gearing. And so you can go in reverse as fast as you can go. But it, that's not the case. What happens is he lets off the gas or he's in neutral or the clutch is in and the car just keeps going faster and faster, even though there's no gas input. Did you say that he was steering with the rear tires, not the front? Tire? No, but effectively the, the front of the car is the, at the back, right? Because he's backwards. That's why it's hard to drive. You're driving backwards, the, so your wheels that turn are, are now in the back of the in vector. In the rear, right. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say, right. So it's like turning a forklift. Yeah, to imagine a forklift going 200 miles an hour and you turn the wheel. What happens? You do a different kind of lift. All right, so this next tweet is, I think more, the context is really more who's showing up on the tweet. Uh, IndyCar has posted the 2024 schedule, and iRacing says they're ready for it. Yeah, another subtle hint. 
right without making an official announcement yeah no official announcement but they're they're just hinting along the way you know they're like in the indy cars like who's ready for the indy car season 2024 and i racing puts their hand up like hey i'm ready but is i racing ready to have their own you know be able to get into it with the with the full license behind it well i think uh, the writing on is on the wall that we're going to have at least the Indy 500, you know, and we'll be able to run the car like we used to and broadcast it and that kind of thing. And that'll be great. Um, I think it would also be great if we could figure out how to scan and get into iRacing the rest of these tracks that are on this list. And so we could literally do the entire IndyCar series uh, schedule. What are we missing here? We got uh, St. Petersburg, the new Thermal Club. Um, we're missing, uh, uh, Portland, uh, streets of Toronto and the new streets of Detroit. Uh, cause remember the Detroit we have is on the Island, right? And now IndyCar is, uh, in a different spot in Detroit, right? So you need the, uh, Nashville. It's not, yeah. It's not Bell Island, right? And Nashville. Yeah, not the Bell right. Isle. yeah, Nashville, the other missing one. Yeah. So that's quite a list of tracks that. You know, it'd be great if we could get. Which are all, with the bulk of them being street courses, I'm sure it would be a challenge. But they can scan those a little bit faster nowadays. And I mean, I don't know, they because they can, they can, late, late, late night, they can, they can scan while driving. They don't have to just set the, the, the pods up anymore. So it's, it's, it's doable. And they had Chicago. All right. They've done it. Pretty cool. Can't wait for that announcement. All right, this next one will be kind of a roundtable everybody's discussion. Jordan Winslow's posted the forums, his iRacing goals and resolutions for 2024. He wants one road win, five ovals, 25 top fives, and he wants to maintain that 3K overall rating. And he also wants to go to the playoffs and contend in a league that he's in. And so we'll pass it around the table. Uh, What about you guys? We'll go to John first. Well, I, you know, my my goal is to get my eye rating up to a respectable level. And I know we always talk about it. I don't pay attention to eye rating. It doesn't matter. But, my gosh, it does. So I just want to get better. I just want to get better. That's all. Brad. Pretty easy goal. Uh, so this year will be the first full year back since 15, which wasn't a full year. So uh, just looking forward to to getting uh, the racecraft better, uh, maintaining, um, you know, a good eye rating. Uh, wins would be nice. Um, just again, looking looking to have fun. I mean, that's all. That's why we do this is to have fun. I think you need to be more aggressive, Brad. You you already have the racecraft. You already have the eye rating. So you already got those behind you. So I think the wins is uh, what we're looking for here. Wins, wins, wins. Yeah, yeah. I I I get timid at times and it's just my nature. I don't want to mess up somebody else's race. Ryan. Ryan, kick it off. 
Well, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm just having popping back in after having a terrible last half of the season with all my issues. Got a decent internet connection now, so I shouldn't have any more problems there. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to running the full um, OBRL um, Cup Series and making the playoffs in that. That'll be a goal of mine. And I really want to increase my participation quite a bit over last year with, with the problems that I think I've gotten figured out and everything else. So, um, Part of that's going to be NIS to get a lot more starts in NIS than I have. Another is to to be in some of the races with you guys that um, I always seem to miss for whatever reason. So uh, a lot of it's participation related and just um, and making playoffs in the in the leagues. Okay, so in preparation for this discussion, I actually put together and put on the script my NIS win list. Because I was trying to see what's missing. And boy, am I proud of that Indy Road win. I mean, I went, I, I won a road course in NIS. And then I'm so proud of winning on Bristol Dirt, too. So to win on those different types of tracks and all the oval wins. And as you look through this list, my early career, I was the restrictor plate uh, king. I, I always was winning at Talladega or Daytona. But lately, I'm winning on other tracks. I feel like my my skill level has gone up. Uh, last in 2022 it was Phoenix, Charlotte, Atlanta, Bristol Dirt, and then this year, Indy Road, Dover, Martinsville. I can't believe I won there. So I was thinking, I just want some crown jewels with the in, with the Brickyard coming back. I'd like to win Indy, uh, the Brickyard. Um, I think the other one besides that, you know. I don't know, maybe the uh, Homestead or Phoenix, but I'm looking for wins. I'm at uh, 97 career wins. So my goal is to hit a hundred, um, which I'm sure I will. Um, I, you know, I, I got seven wins, I think over this year. So I should be able to get three or four and, and, and surpass that number. Um, and then try to get one of those crown jewels. Well, I think my number one goal is to not have a thousand point I rating slide, right? Twenty twenty three was just not a good year, uh, so I just hope to have a better year. And I'd like to see in the enduro races that we run, us get through the race without wrecking. I just want to keep the car out of the garage. I don't care what else happens; just none of us spin it. Right, let's get back to topics, Brian. We got some Sonoma update. Yeah, this was uh, tweeted out by NASCAR's official Twitter page or X page, however you want to call it. And uh, yeah, they're they're throwing down some extra asphalt at Sonoma. So uh, you know, this always happens, and we always ask when is iRacing going to keep up with the new changes. Um, so uh, it doesn't look like, from what I see, it looks like it's just extra asphalt area, not like a complete repave. Is that is that the way it's working out? So I see strips of it, not the entire track. Right, right. So I think to widen certain areas, maybe make it a little bit faster so you can uh, cut some corners a little bit tighter. My understanding was it was a full repave. Yeah, so maybe we're just seeing the early part of it. That's why it looks like okay. it's in strip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right now, it doesn't look like it's a repave, but you're right. If, if they're if they're making changes to the track, maybe they're doing that first and then they'll pave the whole thing over. So somebody in our group said something like, are you sure this is Sonoma? It's green. What is all this green? 
I think that was me. That place looks great, man. It would be so nice to see a race when it's all green. It just would be nice. I know it's probably the rainy season or whatever, but my gosh, it would look nice. Yeah, it'd look great it's in the totally clouds different. and all the, and all the spray being spewed up. But hey, we're wanting rain, right? So why not? With with all the green, it looks like one of the uh, like a more of a European track than than Sonoma did, you know, like like a spa type of thing where there's a lot more valleys and grass. Well, the Sonoma that we see in iRacing, and usually when NASCAR goes there, is the kind if you throw down a match, you better watch out because the whole thing will go up. Is what it looks like all dried, uh, dried up grass, you know. All right, I agree with the reply to this question more than anything. L.A. Clash, <laughs> L.A. Clash, Brian Darlington, he's angst. I love the typo there. Um, that we'll, we'll shout that one out to Freddie Kraft. Into the he asks in the forums if there will be any 2024 NASCAR Clash at the Coliseum, and yeah, I absolutely agree with with David Betty's reply. Hopefully not. I. It was a neat idea, but the the way the guys race, it's just not racing. So was this done last year as a special event? It's the last two years, in fact. I don't think it's or, a special I'll, event. Are you, if you mean on iRacing, it was done on the A Open schedule, actually. Fact, was is, the, it, uh, is, it, is it not on the A Open schedule? No, I think it was just some standalone thing they did for one week or something. What was the uh, field size at? Anybody remember? Uh, it actually runs heat races. So, yeah, it, it has to keep the field size a little bit differently. Yeah, I didn't. I stayed away from that. I'm smart. I don't want to give up my eye rating there. <laughs> but that's what that is. I mean, that's a total cluster. Something like that I think would be fine for a league race. You know, if you got a group of guys you race with every single week, um, I think that'd be fun. But not to do it in an open session. All right, it's events, and we finally have th some of the details on the big one. iRacing presents the Daytona 24 Hour, powered by VCO. Uh, John, you want to give us some of the details? Yes, yeah, so, uh, Greg West, uh, he posted in the forums that uh, the Daytona 24, powered by VCO, is coming up. Looks like the dates are January 19th through the 21st so that's coming up here pretty soon but it's a 24 hour endurance race at daytona international speedway so uh you know it's it's time to start building those teams why this announcement got us talking um our team is split into three cars and we're just finalizing who's in what car and i think we've got it almost uh, nailed down that there might be a straggler left to figure out where they're uh which car they're on or whatever but uh we're making hay yeah i got some guys that are practicing at daytona specifically i prefer to just run imza races right and just continue to practice multi-class i've actually been running long beach this week and i thought i would hate it but i had a couple of good results as long as i just made sure not to overdrive it because you mess up at long beach and it's not an x it's a dead car so i've been i bought the cadillac uh, and i've been driving it I've, I've i spent some time at daytona in a hosted practice um with a bunch of um europeans and uh just you know around cars and traffic and that kind of stuff and i felt right at home it feels just like uh, any other gtp car almost it's um 
yeah, like any of the GTPs, it's a little different than the old LMP1 was because you don't have that front wheel hybrid drive, which changed the way that handled in tight corners. Uh, it, so it's a little bit easier to get it get it wheel spin and get it loose because all, all the power is in the rear. So one question I think Donnie asked was what was a minimum shift that somebody can run? And I think the answer is at three hours. Somewhere no, between two and three. it's really more like one. It works it the, really the way the long? formula works. You can get you can run literally one one stint and get your laps covered with a yeah. with a fair share roll they have. I think and I told with, him too. Yeah. yeah, and it depends on how many people are on your team too. If you only had two people, obviously, uh, and you only did a one hour one stint, it's not going to work out too good. But if you divide it among a bunch of teammates, like six five, and you only do one stint, you're you're going to be fine. All right, next up, Brad, we have it looks like a private championship of some kind. Yes, we've got the International iRacing Series 2024 Championship, uh, Friday 9 p.m. UTC plus one, um, uh, Paris and Brussels. So, uh, 100% distance Cup Series, open setup stages, uh, cash prizes. So, this came from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Lionel Merbizi. It sent this in, so sounds like we've got, uh, I guess, maybe some European guys who like stock cars. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It's a European-friendly uh, time, uh, you know, Friday, 9 p.m. Uh, for them. And that's a Paris or Brussels time zone. Um, and so, yeah, it's a full-distance Cup Series uh, open setup. And so, yeah, if you're an oval racer on the European side, you might want to check out Lionel's uh, league here. You know, if I ran a full distance league, I w- that would be the one case where I would be okay with stage breaks because they would they would they could, should just let us pull over and I'll use the restroom. Why the laps don't count, right? It's a pretty neat idea, though. This next one's neat too, and I'm I'm doing it if I can. Uh, F- FTFGG two point four hours of Daytona. They're teaming up with Sim Car League. And they're doing the 2.4 hours of Daytona with a twist. You can do it with or you can do it solo or with teams. And um, but it's IMSA GTP, GT3 and NASCAR next gen. And it's it's this weekend. So if if I I'll, I'll be doing it as long as my I've got a gig this weekend. So I don't know if the gig will get in the way or not. That's cool that they included the NASCAR cars in that. It's, it's, it'll make it interesting, um, especially after NASCAR was uh, you know part of Le Mans last year in a, in a way. And what's interesting is it's going to be the the Daytona layout, not the NASCAR layout. There's not going to be that extra chicane on the on the front stretch. So those Cup cars are going to be screaming on that back stretch or or home stretch, I guess. Now wait, now how are they going to stack up to the GT3 class? In some cases, they're faster. the the GT the the GT Le Mans class now or whatever the garage is it sixty four eighty six whatever the experimental car at Le Mans was out running quite a few of them. Now that car had it was tricked up and it would not be a, a legal NASCAR. They did a lot more to it because they could um, to to make it prepared, including the headlights, but. Yeah, it would be it would be interesting to see how that does line up. I would think in the infield, GT threes will probably have a speed advantage. But once you get up on the oval, I think the uh, that'll balance out with the the next gens. Should be a good race. That's uh, that's like literally tomorrow or the next day. Uh, so yeah, it's this weekend. 
Yeah, you'll have to join their Discord for the details. Now, now when NASCAR did the Daytona Road Course, they had to add that second chicane on the on the home stretch, right? Because they were they were coming in so hot that they were tearing the brakes up, right? So I'm assuming that won't happen in in the uh, on the sim. Well, I, when they did that, that wasn't in the next gen. So you still had the Gen Six car, smaller brakes, and all that. I imagine you probably you probably could do it in the next gen. We need brake fade, especially if you get them too hot. Yeah, uh, it's just like with your tires. When your tires get too hot, the car does stop handling very well. All right, we've already covered the next event quite a few times. It's coming up the, the following weekend, January twelfth through fourteenth. Uh, however, there's a new new piece of announcement with it. By popular demand, they're adding an additional time slot for the Royal for the Roar as a trial. They're going to be running Sunday at at zero GMT, which is essentially 7 p.m. Eastern Saturday night. Yay. I like this. And Andy says, Greg West says, based on participation and feedback, we will consider this for special events that are four hours and shorter moving forward, uh, keeping this additional time slot that's very U.S. friendly. Um, and, and that was a discussion all week in the forums, guys. People were complaining about the times for the roar. Like these don't line up with my schedule and my life. And these are hard to participate in. And so, you know, after a few days of seeing that in the forums, I was surprised that, you know, iRacing is watching that as well. And they've decided to, you know, respond. And so they did respond to those people and basically gave them what they wanted. Yeah, and they've been trying to go with this kind of a standard set of slots for special events, which makes sense when it's a 12-hour, right? Because you're going to cover the whole clock anyway with your teammates. But this is a solo event, so um, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, the four time slots really were not, you know, North American friendly at all. Okay, podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate that. Get involved on the Discord and get in the chat. There's always stuff going on in there every day. I actually preview stories from the podcast in the Discord. So if you want some uh, some of these stories early, get in there. You can check the actual script notes at iRacersLounge.com. They are public. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Performance Motorsports Network. And get your merchandise, hats, t-shirts at iRacersLounge.shop. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. The first hardware software item is a question about a new line on the force feedback uh, or actually the entire little FPS monitor that you can throw up that tells you your latency. But the bottom line is F. And now instead of just one line, it's got a light pink and a dark pink line. And Emmanuel Otanello was asking what that stood for. And the answer is one of them is telling you how close you're getting to, to your peak uh, force feedback. And the other one is telling you how much the limiter is is reducing the force feedback to try to make it uh, not clip. 
so that you'll actually still get some force feedback. So it's almost like it's like an, an indication that tells you how much power it's cutting, so that you'll still have a, any instead of having just a, a nonstop hundred percent feed, you'll actually be able to feel the force feedback. Uh, it looks pretty similar to what you see if you're running a, a compressor or or a hard limiter in in the sound editing software. Mike, you've probably seen this, and it's just basically telling you how much it's cutting um, as as it needs. Right. So I'm going to say it a different way. If you just see red, that means you're hit, you're clipping, you're hitting the top notch. You're, you're hitting the top, the ceiling. And, but if you see the pink line, you're actually exceeding the ceiling enough where the game is pushing back on it and limiting you to that ceiling. So you want to have it right up to the red. Like you want to, like when the steering is at the hardest part of the lap, like on that big bump, you want it to you want it to hit red, but you never really want it to see the pink. If you're seeing the pink, you have it too strong. So I use the auto function, you know, not checked in options, but go out, run a few laps, go to whichever one of the F, F boxes it is, click the auto, and it typically will go ahead and set it pretty close. You'll get a little clipping here or there if you hit something a curb or whatnot. I, I mean, I have. Mine's normally in the green, so I guess this is another setting that you can tweak in the, the INI file to show this instead of the green. Well, it's probably not. Show, it's probably showing green because you're not clipping. Right. It's turned on. You can turn it off in the app INI if you don't want to see it. Um, the the pink line. But well, look, it also turns off the limiter. Oh, does it? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that but, actually eliminates. If you turn that force feedback limiter to zero in the INI file, it won't cut back those peaks that they're trying to avoid from you, you know, getting to your hands and could harm you or whatever. Well, it's not just necessarily harming you. Um, you can lose quality of the force feedback. If you're too high, it's going to clip. And so it's just going to all be high. Whether it's a, a low, supposed to be a low signal or a high signal, it's going to just start getting one large, long signal, and it's not going to feel. It's just not going to feel right. It just anymore. feels like mush. Just, yeah. just like clipping in sound. If you've ever heard it, when something's recorded too loud, it, it's it's not pretty. I think Brad's approach is the right one. You know, you go out, you run a few laps, you hit the auto button. That's the perfect spot uh, where you're right up against the ceiling, so to speak. And um, I don't like the uh, the actual auto checkmark in setting because I don't necessarily want my wheel changed automatically for me. I want to be in control of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't want, I, you know, I set up my wheel to use 100% of the force in the wheel software. So I have iRacing set for the full force in the options, but then let it do the auto thing. So I still get the full force, but you don't end up with any of the clipping. Like I said, you get a little bit of red here or there. You hit a bad curb, um, something like that. But um, I think that's the easiest way to go. All right. I should know more about this one, being as I, I'm a sound guy, but Mike, what can you tell us about SoundShift? I haven't heard of this program. I was kind of surprised um, when I found it on the forums. Uh, Clayton McLeod is working on Sound Shift, a program that gives audio cues for shifting gears. Um, so instead of you know looking at 
LEDs for when you need to shift, you can hear when to shift. And it's a nice, pleasant, you know, tone that will beep uh, at the right spot. And you can go in and set the RPMs where you want them to be. So this has been around for a while because I'm pretty sure this was, I remember this pro or similar program years ago doing the same thing. You can turn this on in JRT and I, I actually use it with sim racing apps as well. So that's not the only thing that, that does this. It might've been around for a while. This is version five. Um, now I, I asked uh, in the discord chat, to our listeners, has anyone used this? And we did hear from listener Chris L. Cawthorn, Cawthorn. He said, I tried it, but didn't love it. It was more of a distraction for me than anything. This is one I have not tried, and I just I just haven't felt the need to try it. Um, I don't think it's... I, I go off the, uh, the the LED, the red LEDs. I've gotten to, to a point where I go off, off the JRT pink screen and the beep from from uh, sim racing apps the beep usually kind of helps me in the lower gears and then i will ignore the beep in the higher gears and 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 kind of follow jrt a little bit more in the higher gears because it seems it actually studies the car and will adjust your your mark after a time now when i say red leds that's what i mean is i have jrt running on a android phone right on top of my steering wheel base and when that thing goes pink, you know, the whole screen goes like pink or red or whatever it is. And that's your clue. Hey, you better shift. All right. The person who's been upgrading the hardware most lately has been Brian. So you get the laptop beast. Yeah, this was uh, an article in PC Gamer, uh, and it shows off a laptop that is just uh just amazing it's got server grade hardware so it uh, it doesn't look like a typical laptop because it's, uh, the the base of it is is bigger it doesn't fold exactly in half like a typical laptop would but you know it's got some some beefy stuff in it um to, that would really uh work well for gaming and stuff like that it, it's 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 a it's a monster as far as laptops go you're not transmitting mike so i kind of wondered <clears throat> they said uh they actually stuffed a 4090 desktop GPU into this thing. So I, I'm not sure that thing will fit on your lap if you can get a 4090 in that. Well, we, we rearrange everything, and yeah, you can. It's just a lot, particularly a lot of the 4090 is cooling, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I mean, and the, and the uh, CPUs can get pretty hot, too. Hey, Mike, your mic is dead. We're not hearing you. This is why I don't go wireless. Did, I didn't see a price on this thing, but I'm guessing it's pretty hefty. Yeah, and I mean, I always have a laptop kind of for work and kind of casual gaming. Um, but, you know, you it's harder to upgrade them. For the most part, once you buy a laptop, that's what you got until you buy your next laptop. Yeah, exactly. But um, like you were saying, John, I, I don't know if this is like a commercially uh, um, produced thing. I think it was just kind of a, a fun thing, right? Yeah, that's what it looked like. I think these this company was just trying to see how much they could beef up a laptop and uh, put everything they could in it. Well, a few months ago, there was a gaming laptop that came with built-in triples. Huh? It had triples 
on the laptop. Literally, they they all they slid out and folded. Does that blow your mind, Brad? Yeah, just a little bit. I'm trying to imagine. Yeah, we covered it a couple months ago. It, it had triples as a part of the laptop. They actually unfolded. You don't don't you remember that one, Brian? Or is that one? one of yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, not something we see every day on a laptop. Yeah. You'd be the talk of the town with that one. All right. Well, oh, sorry about that. I I want to throw out one more thing. There's a little display by the keyboard that literally shows you the temperatures of the unit, as well as how many watts the power supply is drawing. It's crazy. And it says, yes, that really does show 548 watts. I don't know if I'd want that on my lap as far as laptops goes. <laughs> maybe, maybe a countertop laptop. Yeah, You're it's going to be hot. Need an additional tray sitting to sit it on top of for cooling. You could just get one of those aquariums and just drop it in those those oil aquariums. All right, Brad. This next one is evil. Yeah. So the uh, Sim Pit reviewed Evil Racing's DGT wheel. Uh, watch this. Uh, pretty nice looking wheel. Uh, very similar to. I think it's uh, Audi is the one that is. I guess it's kind of. Um, it's mocked after. Um, you know, nice open wheel for GT car. Um, you know, paddle shifters. Well, construction was really good from from what I could get. The uh, you know, encoders, buttons, and everything was was real good. So just, uh, I mean, again, we've said before. Um, you know, if you if you can't find a wheel out there that you don't that you, that you if you can't find a wheel that you don't like, that it, it's on you. There are so many options now. Yeah, seven hundred euros on this one. And I like what I see. I love the layout of the buttons and stuff. And I love how thick the the actual wheel grip is. It's a great wheel. The only thing that throws me off is the name of the company uh, called Evil Racing. Why? I mean, you had the word evil as part of your name? Come on. Uh, this rubs me the wrong. I don't know if I want to spend my money on something that's called evil. I, I it, This rubs me the wrong way. That's, I'm a Christian that's, man here. That's skater, skater culture, kind of. All right. We were just talking about uh, heat, John, and the heat is on Moza now, it looks like. Yeah, so it looks like some people, <clears throat> or at least one particular guy, uh, YouTuber Michael Smith, said his Moza R5 is overheating and was losing grip in his race because of the problems. Uh, that's, this is the first time i've heard of this with the r5 i think there were some people maybe with the r9 that had this last year but uh that was just maybe a certain batch but yeah i don't know i mean i don't know if this is a big problem or just something for for michael it's a concern for sure and he goes on to describe that the uh, the the overheating is a gradual overheating and the and what happens as it gets hotter and hotter, the force feedback degrades. Uh, the hotter it gets, the worse the force feedback feels. It gets mushy. And so he's in these longer races, and by the end of the race, the thing is smoking hot, and, and it feels like mush. You know. And so big concern when people are buying these wheels if they're overheating and, and doing that. Um, yeah. We'll have to keep an eye on this and see if it's just, if it's an isolated glitch or a design problem. 
So I, I usually run my force feedback pretty low, I think, compared to most people. But for you guys that have it cranked up pretty high, do you does your uh, is your base get warm to the touch or hot at times? Because My, mine stays cool all the time, no matter what I've got it at. Um, mine will get warm. Um, I've got a Sim Magic Alpha, so that's 15 newton meters. Um, you know, I've done, you know, saying probably the warmest it's gotten was, uh, you know, doing it over an hour road course race, um, but not really hot to the touch. I mean, you could touch it; it's warm, but I would expect that it's passive cooling. There's, you know, there's no there's no fans or anything in there, so um, I would expect it. And again, I run mine at 100% strength. That's what I paid for. I think the Fanatec actually has a fan in it, uh, and uh, so it, it stays just fine. I've, I've run Coke 600s with it. Yeah, mine is cool to the touch. There's no warm at all, but I, I run it hard. All right, we got a rig review. Uh, Mike, CXC Simulations. Well, not really a rig review, but just a reminder of this company. We, we haven't talked about them in a long time. They're out of Southern California, and they have some some pretty interesting product. Um, I always describe these as a motion rig where the motion is these uh, actuators that are actually attached to the back of the seat, the two back corners. And it basically is moving the seat, not the entire cockpit. Um, that's kind of their uh, spiel uh, or what they're known for is let's move that seat around while the the wheel and the pedals and everything else is stationary and the price isn't cheap <laughs> now it, it's kind of neat because you can configure how you want to set up for example stock um the stock is a 55 inch monitor or you can get triple 55s or you can really go crazy and get triple 77 inch monitors so <laughs> you know that only adds an extra um, $18,000 to the base price if you get the triple 77s. Yeah, I mean, CXE has been around for a long time. I just went to the website. I mean, they started in 2007. So, um, yeah, I mean, when Motion, I think, really started, it was these big actuators like they still use. You didn't have full rig uh, actuators. So, yeah, if you've got money to burn, and uh, it's a lot of it, have at it. So, here's one. Uh, example Motion Pro 2 configurator total cost $69,000. i will send you my address, Mike. Thank you. They got a nice website where you configure it, like like uh, Brian's saying, you pick what you want, which seat, which wheel. They give you everything. Um, I, I think they even have their own custom uh, direct drive wheelbase, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty cool, uh, but yeah, keep those guys in mind. I always want to. We sometimes we forget about these companies that have been around forever because um, there's so much new stuff going on. But hey, these guys are still doing business. John, next up, we've got a question about Samsung's Arc mo motors or monitors. Yeah, Dominic Calvani uh, put up a post in the iRacing forums, and he says, "I'm building my first sim rig." Almost all the parts should be in over the week, next week or two, and the last thing I need to buy are monitors. I'm going back and forth between triple thirty twos and triple fifty fives, and wanted some guidance on you know what he should do. First off, Dominic, that's one hell of a first rig you got going there if you're thinking about that. Uh, but he just wanted to know, you know, should I get the fifty fives or the thirty twos? 
And there were some really good responses to that. Uh, Eric Luke said, you know, iRacing is not even optimized for 4K, so spending an extra 6K for monitors probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you just want that much real estate. Agreed. Uh, the ARC is a very expensive 55-inch monitor. I mean, and I, you know, you're, you're paying such a premium for that. Is, it, is that the right move? I don't think it is. I mean, if you're going to get these big monitors, you're going to, you know, LG. We, we saw, uh, I think it was Sim Racing Corner was sent the 49-inch LGs like two or three weeks ago for triples. And those were a those were way affordable compared to these arcs. All right, Mike, go ahead and take the Sim Magic connection. Yeah, so uh, a post by in, uh, on Instagram uh, from Sim Magic uh, showing off their new revolutionary magnetic connection design. Now, you know, I'm going to take offense at the word revolutionary. You know, Cube Control has been doing this for years. Uh, it's a little bit different connector with Cube Controls. Um, than what they've come up with, but uh, they, they've taken what what I think is one of the best features of cube control and implemented it into their stuff. And uh, Brad, what do you think about this? Um, you're in some magic. Yeah, so I mean, the, in their ecosystem, everything's wireless as far as the wheels go. So. But the downside is if you want to use a SIM Magic wheel on another base, you, you don't have the wireless option other than having to try to connect to USB. So what this does is it allows you to take and um, you're mounting the piece. I sent you guys another picture, but if you look at the picture here on Instagram, the, the little piece on the right side, that would get mounted onto the back of the SIM Magic wheel. And then that then would connect to the piece on the left, uh, which would run go into your USB. So it allows you to take, run whatever you know whatever uh, connection you've got with your wheelbase, whatever the disconnect is, quick connect, whatever. Uh, but then you can use some magic wheel. And again, it, it's you know it's that's it's not wireless, you know, but it's it gives you a good option as opposed to just having. You know, USB, you got to do every time. So in theory, if you've got multiple wheels, it makes it much easier to connect and disconnect. At, at this point, any any wheel manufacturer out there that is still has the screw-on connector, I, you know, you guys are still in 2020. It's 2024. You know, obviously, we have multiple wheel manufacturers doing the magnetic connector now. It's time to get on board. We need to get, like, I think about Gomez Industry, which is known as a really good wheel, but every single one of those are screw-on connectors on Gomez wheels. And I think this is like $20. I mean, very inexpensive. Right. All right. For the next one, we need to spring on over to Brian because it looks something along the lines of uh, feedback. Trans it's not motion, but it's close. Yeah, this is a review from OC Racing, and they reviewed the slip angle um, shaker kit. Okay, so what the way this works is you have um, these four um, transducers that um, connect to each corner of your 80-20 rig. Um, and it's, it looks a lot like a LFE, like a, a butt kicker, like one of the newer butt kicker pros type of deal. And underneath the transducer is a spring that uh, that's, it stands on the floor with. So basically, your rig is now standing on springs with the transducer on it. And 
uh, and it's getting the uh, data from your sim and it gives you four corner response and uh, vibration effects from each corner of the car as you're driving it so it's not exactly motion but it, it it's almost like butt kickers on each corner of your of your uh, rig but it probably does with the springs it probably adds an extra effect as opposed to it being mounted directly to the um, to the frame so uh i didn't watch the whole thing with this oc review um but um what i did see was uh they they were pretty impressed with how well it uh communicates what the car is doing while you're driving it's a neat add-on it really is um if you're looking to add haptics if you're thinking about a butt kicker this might be a good option you know it's 650 uh, we've seen this before I don't know. I like having my rig on wheels, on caster wheels, so I can roll it out of the way and, you know, vacuum the carpet. Uh, you know, women like that kind of thing. You're able to clean. When you put one of these rigs flat on the ground and they don't move for several years, it's hard to keep clean. So anyway, I don't know if this would work for me on my rig, but if I did have a rig without wheels, uh, this is definitely something to consider. Yeah, I've got mine on feet. Um, you know, my previous rig was just, you know, the Obata was just flat on the carpet. And after moving that thing after sitting for three years, the carpet was, you know, was never going to be the same. Um, you know, this is a, it's a neat idea. Um, it's expensive. And he says that. But, you know, I, haptics is something I want to go to at some point. Um, I'll never get to motion. Just, it's not going to happen. I, I don't have the money. Um but I, you know, he mentioned, and I like this, the the idea too. It's it's all in one. So, you know, the the only thing that's kept me from exploring the haptics thing is trying to figure out all the pieces and parts that I need, you know, in order to make it work. Where this is one package, everything you need, you know, and I, I like that too. And that's what he said. You know, everything you need, bolt it on, plug it in, and go. Right. I mean, you could DIY something like this, but I think his point is, you know, the springs are. Everything is already designed. You know, you don't have to you redesign the wheel. You just buy the package, you bolt it on, you go racing. All right, next up, we have a guy that's customizing a rig to basically help compensate for a loss of limb, right? We've talked about things like this before. I've met some guys who've even done like done this who are veterans um, in a part of what's called open Operation Motorsport. Um, uh, so it's pretty neat. He got a, well, go ahead and tell us the rest of it, John. Yeah. So Tom Ford, uh, got in a motorcycle accident a few years ago and had to use a wheelchair and a walker. Uh, and, uh, and Tom, if you're listening, I hope everything's going okay now, but his, his racing seat is his wheelchair and he's got a steering wheel mounted on his old walker. So his sim rig is basically, uh, you know, medical equipment. And he's got his uh, shifter mounted on the wheelchair. And, uh, you know, very, very ingenious for a guy who was having some health issues and set it up so he could he could sim race with this equipment. And you got to see the picture to appreciate it. Yeah, and it's it's a total DIY. He said, I opened up the Xbox 360 steering wheel and soldered some wires into the board so the handbrake and shifter actually work. And he 3D printed the handbrake and shifter that he has literally mounted to the right of his uh, actual uh, wheelchair. Uh, sim racers were a pretty ingenious group. 
yeah, I mean, you got to make do with what you have, right? And and this guy did, so I applaud him. Look, when you got the racing bug and you want to go racing, you know, it doesn't matter what your health is or what your situation is. You're going to figure it out and go racing. I love it. All right, Brad, you got another SimRagic product. Hey, episode C Racing Reviews, the SimMagic GCC Formula Wheel. Um, the wheel's been around for a little while. Um, I looked at this when I was deciding to go with a, uh, ended up going with the GT4 uh, rim to do a little bit of road course racing. Uh, good reviews. It's a nice size rim, 325 millimeters. Um, I do like the layout of the button box on this. You got a lot of buttons. Um, you know, as with most of the Sim Magic stuff, you know, I've noticed the wheels are much heavier than than some of the other manufacturers. Um, but you know, available in leather or Alcantara. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. Um, but you know, just a again, I think another solid product. Um, again, if you can't find a wheel you like, shame on you. Yeah, that was a big red flag for me, Brad. Was when he said the word four pounds. Holy cow, this thing is heavy at four pounds. Um, that's a heavy wheel. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is. The, the button box is pretty big. Um, you know, I've got the GT wheel, uh, which is, it, it's pretty heavy too. So, um, but again, if you've got a strong enough direct drive, it's really not an issue. But I want people to understand weight makes a difference. It diminishes your force feedback, what you feel. Um, when I switched from the fan attack oval to my M MPI oval wheel, I could feel the difference. I mean, it, it, it was a lesser amount of uh, fidelity in the wheel than I had before. And, it, and the only thing that changes is the weight of the wheel. And so I think the heavier the wheel, you're right, the, the heavier, the more the you know horsepower in your base you need kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I could tell the difference between the, the two when I switch between them. And I'm not saying my wheel's light by any means. I think it's four pounds as well, but it's a big old 15 inch wheel, you know? Well, it's just the more, the more buttons you want and all that stuff. It's it, it, like anything else. The more you want on there, the more weight it adds. I mean, there's cheaper routes to go. Um, and I think you see that in some of the, some of the wheels that are available. You know, Fanatec has, I think has tried to stay somewhat lighter. Um, but again, I don't know. I, I don't want any flex in a wheel, that's for certain. Um, and I have yet to see anything out of the, the two Sim Magic wheels I've got. There's, they're not flexing. Well, you got the QR and then you have the extension. I, I use extensions on both my wheels. When I bought those extensions, I was keen about how heavy they were. And I, I actually looked at the SimCore extensions. Those guys from Australia, they have some really nice ones. And then I found the ones on Amazon that are actually for real cars. And, the, and the, the weight was the same. So I ended up getting the cheaper Amazon ones. But yeah, weight matters. All right. I wish I had gotten around to watching this one, but I didn't get a chance, Mike. We've got another update on from Sim Racing Corner about Fanatec customer service. Yeah, we, he put up a video part one we talked about in the last couple of weeks. He ordered a universal hub from Fanatec that it, it's one product, but it's two pieces. It's a universal hub and a QR. Okay. And Fanatec being Fanatec. So he goes on the website and he buys one product. Okay. But it's, it comes in two pieces. It's shipped from two different places, whatever. He gets the hub. He never gets the QR. He ordered it in September. 
it's been over three months before he got the QR. Um, he got Fanatec's attention from the previous video and some marketing manager had contacted him about, hey, let's collaborate. Let's, you know, let's work on some videos and this and that, even though he still doesn't have the QR yet. He, he, they had approached him for that. And he's like, you probably don't want me doing a video about your stuff right now. Uh, he is a not a happy camper. Um, we're getting these stories every week, guys. Uh, Fanatec is, uh, they got some problems going on. It is literally, I think, a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, they offered to fly him out there, let him tour the plant and everything else. Um, I, I just, I don't understand. You order... <laughs> You order hardware that's one unit. Why ship it from two different places? It, it makes no sense. I just don't. I mean, that's like me ordering something from Amazon and getting one piece in a box. And then six weeks later, I get the other piece of it, you know, left and a right. And they just ship it, ship it separately. And I, I will ask how they're shipping it, because since 2020, one of the companies has not been so great about about mail delivery. In fact, our uh, our symphony used to mail our music to us before rehearsals. They won't do it anymore because the music kept disappearing. Well, he, and he brings up the point, you know, Fanatec has always wanted to be a direct to the end user. So that puts them in the middle of all of it. Send Magic, a lot of these other guys, you know, you use a third party to, to, to sell it and do all that. If you're going to sell directly to the consumer, you've got to be ready to support the consumer. And they never have been. I mean, I said before, I had I had, I had their stuff, you know, back in 2015. And anytime I had a problem, it was just painful to get any sort of response. You know, painful. All right, John, we have a Thrustmaster T-18 worry. Well, so, you know, my, my thought on this Thrustmaster T-818 has has not been that great from the beginning uh but you know what happened was Lawrence D'Souza he did a YouTube video he's got some concern about concerns about that unit and um you know I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing but you know I, I I'm just not sure about this unit it, it's not gotten real good reviews you know, unless you're really into the Thrustmaster uh, ecosystem, I, I'm just not sure what's going on with that company. Yeah, he talked quite a bit. I mean, again, this is, I, I kind of put this in there with the the Fanatec woes of, of not changing with the times. Um, still a very quirky QR system. Um, you know, there, it's just, I, I don't know, he was not happy. Um, you know, you watch the video, the amount of flex that was in the wheel in the QR system was scary how much flex there was in there. So, um, you know, again, very expensive too, extremely expensive. Yeah, the flex was a huge red flag for me when I, he was showing that off. There's a, he has a quote here. I'm going to read this. This is what Lawrence says. It's my role in sim racing to inform and to be objective in my findings so that I can equip the potential buyers with as much info as possible to make the educated decision. So this one hurt because it brought up some very harsh realities for Thrustmaster in their future, where once I was a fanboy, now I'm struggling to find the positives. 
to add confusion into the mix, the T818 wheelbase is really good. Maybe it was just born into the wrong family. Well, he reviewed the, I guess, the Ferrari version. So my guess is, as usual, if it's got Ferrari on it, you're paying extra for that as well. Yeah, he was having problems with that Ferrari wheel, though, not getting uh, the LCD screen to work right, um, all kinds of issues. Um, and, of course, we've talked about it before, that terrible mounting system that the, the Thrustmaster has that doesn't fit any of the uh, standard type of uh, mounting options that are out there. You have to get that extra base just to make it work. And I think even with the screen, you said you can't run SimHub or anything else through it. So you've got to use the proprietary stuff to try to get it to work. And he could, I, I'm pretty confident that he said he was never able to get the, the screen to work. Right. So you buy this fancy formula wheel with a screen on it and you literally can't make it work. And and this guy's a sim racing equipment expert, you know, like he does this on the regular, you know, if, if he can't figure it out, how am I going to figure it out? But yeah, all those things combined really is why he had such a negative opinion here. So we were talking about Micro Center a lot last week, uh, Brian, um, if you have one near you or not. And I think it looks like Jazzy does. This is actually uh, Jay's Two Cents put out this video. Um, you know, he typically does computer um, software and, and computer builds and stuff like that. But he is was sponsored by uh, Micro Center to do a ultimate sim racing build, which he did using um, all in-stock stuff at Micro Center. So this is not stuff he had to order. You could go in, put on a cart, and carry it out with you. But he, yeah, he had uh, the Husqvarna pedals, um, uh, the um, uh, Gomez wheel. He had the um, Tony Canon version of the um, of the uh, was this what base is that the P1? Is it a P1 Sim base? Yes. Yeah, so so yeah, similar P1 X. So all really uh, high end uh, equipment that uh, he used to build his his uh, rig, which uh, was worked out just great. Uh, does does Simlab sell Huskinveld? No, 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 no. They're, they're, the uh, Micro Center sells both brands at their store. Well, his, the pedals are SimLab. Right. They changed. Uh, they had uh, Asetek pedals, and they and then he, at some point in the video, switched over to SimLab pedals. Okay, my bad, because I, I, thought, I thought I saw him open a box that had a big H on it in the video. They have all kinds of stuff. He but bought yeah, an open box. They're, they're the pedals he bought an open box rig. in there. Sorry, sorry, Mike. Maybe that's what messed me up because the pedals he bought were open box pedals, and maybe they were just using whatever box they had. I don't know. Yeah, so basically, they already have one racing cockpit in the studio, and and he's you know he has a, his friends and stuff, so he's uh you know building a second one so they can kind of race together. I didn't get a chance to watch all of this. Did it throw up a price tag of what he spent? But out of curiosity, no, I don't think that came up. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, but he got the triple mount, triple monitors, triple mount for it, right? Yeah. It's it's almost exact carbon copy of the rigs they have in their stores for display um, testing purposes. No, but we've said before with Micro Center, if you've got one near you, it'd be nice to be able to go and actually look at the stuff, touch it and hold it, feel it before you buy it because... You know, for years, you just have to look at pictures, read reviews, and hope it's as good as, as what everybody says it is when you get it. All right. Next, we, ha we have an update to trading paints. 
including a feature called uh, sharing layers. And I don't know what that means. Do you guys? Well, they got a blog post to talk about it here. And the first feature is share uploads. Uh, it's now easy to share uploaded logos and layers with other Paint Builder users. It's as simple as sharing a code. To share an item from the My Uploads list, open the My Uploads screen and click the three-dot icon next to the item you wish to share. Copy that sharing code and share it. Okay, so also you can mirror clone now, which basically is it gives you, um, I guess, bilateral symmetry on on the placement of some of the logos when you're having to put it on both sides of the car. And they have a save favorite color codes. Yeah, the mirror clone is pretty neat. I mean, they have their own built-in software, but that's always one of my pet peeves, uh, especially now with the with the like the next gen of cars. Or if you do anything with an angle, you know, when you go to do the other side, reverse angle, and all that stuff, and it's a it's a pain in the tail. Combine layer groups. Um, this is something I guess that you can do on Adobe as well. This just allows you an ability to edit groupings. I guess, of, of logos, shapes, and text and everything. Look, I assume this is all a part of their pro version, the paid version. And it's basically a, a very comprehensive paint studio that's web-based. It's online. It's in a browser. So it's pretty pretty cool. And if, if you want to paint cars um, and support trading paints, because they do such a service for the community, um, you know, the free version is what most people have. And, uh, you know, let's keep these guys, you know, these guys have to pay a server bill. They have to pay for a database, uh, you know, a server in a, in a somewhere, somebody's paying for this. And, and so this is how they recoup their costs. So if you guys, um, are painters, you know, consider, you know, signing up for trading paints pro. It has gotten a lot better over the years to mimic some of the, uh, programs that other people have been using like GIMP or, you know, so it has gotten a lot better over the years for that stuff. And there's other neat features with Pro. The one I liked when I first did it was you can have a night paint and a day paint for a particular car. And so that way when you're on the NIS schedule and you go to a Richmond at night, it's the white version of your car. And when you're at the day at Charlotte, and it's during the day, it's the black version or whatever. So you can, so that all happens automatic. It's pretty cool. And you can have league specific paints as well. Uh, one, hey, every time I go in this league, run this paint. All right, well, let's jump to results and talk the winter series league david p12 yeah happy with the result mid-pack car you know a lot of tough fast racers in the league um interesting fuel stop strategy this time i didn't realize that it was going to stretch out but some people made it on one and some people made it on two um so it was either 250 lap runs or one or no 350 lap runs or 275 lap runs i did the two stopper and i beat half of the people who did one stop like five people did the one stop two of them finished in front of me and two or three of them finished behind me um so pretty pretty happy with the result um 
and I also won the lucky dog. I was the first car lap down, so I got I got prize money for that. And I was also half I was also halfway up the field, halfway through the race again. So I, I cashed in on the mediocre prizes. <laughs> um, however, I did have another early race incident, and I had you guys watch this replay with me afterwards. And it was another driver who thinks it's a good idea to race like Ryan Newman. And this time he crossed over after I just passed him when he just completely did miss the corner, right? It wasn't a dive bomb or anything. He just did not come down to the inside lane. So I went down on the outside. I went, I went down, but, but, um, he stayed alongside and then decided to pull a crossover and came up and doored me. And then it had, he, he wisecracked about it saying, I guess I was racing you too hard. And the answer is yes, you were racing too hard. It was lap 33. Why are you fighting a car like that? when you're just going to eventually lose the position. It's a waste of your car and opportunity to finish the race. I wish they would learn. That's a tough crowd uh, in there. A lot of good drivers. It's hard to pass. And uh -uh. so, uh, I, no, I don't agree. It's a tough crowd, but most of those guys in there, the reason we mostly have caution free races is because they're smart enough. If you catch them to do it, Mark Martin style. And if they can run you back down later, they'll do the same. Right. True. This guy, th there's just a couple of them that won't. All right. And that's true. Almost everyone there will let people go one, you know, and there's a lot of comers and goers. So, yeah. And I know some people want to say, well, that's not racing. Well, tell that to Mark Martin, who's my driver. Okay, I met the guy in person. I'm, I live 45 minutes from where he grew up. You know, I just, racing isn't just about constantly fighting for every spot. And I know part of it is because of the way the car happens in real life, but it does, it's not that bad on for us because we don't have, we're not all pros. All right, so we can we we're we're not as perfect as cup drivers are and can pass each other over time. Yeah, and David, you and I talked about after the Gateway race when it was really bad at Gateway, um, super frustrated. And it just there's there's a handful of them every week. Okay, John, John P twenty seven. Yeah, so well to kind of I I think David's right. I mean, you know, I I finished P twenty seven, started dead last. And to be honest, I couldn't find a good line to run on this track. I didn't, you know, I just couldn't. But one of the, one of my teammates, and Mike, I think it was you, said, look out for a certain guy, okay? Well, lo and behold, this guy on lap 33 rear-ended me and gave me irreparable damage. I mean, talk about being a prophet. I mean, you, you called the guy out and he hit me. So that pretty much ruined my night. Uh, I puttered around the track the last 120 laps. Not to say I would have had a good finish anyway, because, you know, I'm one of the, the least talented drivers in the league. But, but I will say it's a great league to be in. Uh, it, it's unusual for me to be in races where you go green flag start to finish. And I do like that and uh, uh, learn a lot, but but man, it's true. I really think that, you know, if somebody's faster than you and you know it, why fight it? What well, goes around comes around and you gotta race that way. All right, and then Brad P19. 
Yeah, P19. I think I started P12. Um, I, I just couldn't keep tires under the car. Um, I was just, first run was really bad. Um, you know, felt a little bit better wear during the second, third runs, uh, but I lost too much track position during the first. Um, you know, and again, I'm, I, I, again, we know the caliber you're racing with, so I'll let guys go, um, but just could never really run anybody back down. So real, real frustrating night. Um, you know, and I, I just get frustrated because we have to shift. It just really ruins every bit of racing when it comes to the oval side. Shifting a race car on an oval track is never going to provide good racing. Just never. Yeah, and Greg ran with us. I don't have his result, but I came in late and he told me what I need to do, which was stay in fourth the whole lap, except shift to fifth going at the start finish into one and then as you come through one and two to back down to fourth and and you're I right can, uh, once you figure that out it wasn't too hard i believe he came back to 16th he uh, missed a pit stop on one of the runs and had to go back around um that cost him some time quite a bit of time because uh, he was quite a bit faster than than the rest of us in this race um so, but he came back up to 16th and the group that he was running with was in the mix with the battle for second and third. Uh, Christian was long gone. Christian was uh, up in front of me a little bit being the first car lap down. Um, and, but yeah, he, he, he made it back up to 16th on that run. Yeah, Christian Schaller won. He was a two stopper. He, he stopped, uh, he was one of the first to stop. And uh, there were, like you said, several that did a one-stopper, but he still beat them doing a two-stop. He did. The second place was a one-stop. Um, and, and then you go back a few, and it was it was a hodgepodge. It, it, it almost really came down to more who was faster. I, I think that, that two-stop was a little slower, at, at all things even. Um, but the... If you were fast enough, you can make up for it. Like Chandler's just that much faster, right? The, the guy, the guy that I passed to take the lucky dog spot was a one stopper, and um, in the, uh, I passed him on the first run, I think around lap twenty or thirty. As as my, I just had a better long run speed. You know, next week, I want you guys to remind me. I'm gonna do a one stopper no matter what. I'm gonna save, save, save fuel and try to figure it out because these guys always trick us on that and I'm always not the guy who's doing the one stop. All right, Justin uh, ran with us, P28. Uh, he said a day ago I had an issue with the PC. I had to reinstall Windows and re-download JRT and I forgot to program the fuel calculations, my fault. Basically, he didn't fill his car with fuel on the first stop and he had to come back down again or something or on the second stop. So I think he had to do three stops. My race P23, I actually missed pit road on the first green flag stop. I I was asking, do we need to take the pit road entry road? And, they, and I think David, you told me no, come in off four. I'm like, okay, so I cook it in there off four and I way overcooked it. I wasn't even close to hitting pit road. and. And I hit the apron, basically. Uh, the thing wouldn't turn left, so I just, you know, crawl back around and then pit. And of course, there's no yellows, and and that just screwed my race and uh, couldn't recover. So P23. Let's talk uh, winter NIS. Justin is kicking butt. Recap for Re Rockingham. 
It probably took until Sunday to learn how to really drive the track in the fixed uh, series P16, 19th, and 9th. Open series got an 11th and a 6th. I kind of dropped the ball in my point battle in fixed and open. I was leading in both of them. Now I'm second in fixed and third in open. Hopefully I can turn it around at Michigan this week. Go get it. Before we get into the, uh, the I guess, unofficial racing, we did have our fun race as well back on uh Christmas Eve Eve, right? Or Eve Eve Eve, I think. Friday, y'all remember doing that? New Year's Eve Eve. That's right, New Year's Eve Eve. Eve. Yeah, Dover, right? Yeah, we ran Dover with the GTPs and the GT3s, and uh, I, I knew we were in a little bit of trouble as soon as I discovered I could run flat out, so at all the GT3s. And so that that made for, it almost, turned it almost into kind of a plate race. Um, but it still got a little interesting because we ran it clean with with for the most part. I think Mike ended up having an issue. Um, but I thought that the the guy that was leading the GTPs was going to one stop it. And I was running and he was so much faster than me. He was almost about to lap me too. So I was behind him in P2 with him right behind me. And I was just going to let him let him pass me to save the lap and and go on the fuel but it was a, a timed race so he went ahead and pit to to take a splash and suddenly my fuel calculator is saying dude you can make it dude you can make it so i i start coasting around and then suddenly jr says says dude you can't make it dude you can't make it and boom i i coast around the last lap and come in third we needed a better turnout Needed a better turnout and a, a track that we actually had to slow down at. We should have kept it at Bristol. I, yeah, probably. Um, or tried Martinsville. <laughs> okay, other racing uh, that I did uh, this week, I ran Carburetor Cup at Daytona, wrecked on lap one. Pickup Cup at Phoenix. Started P8, finished P1. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Tried it again, go for a second win in a row. I finished P3. This is the best, one of the best combinations on iRacing, guys, because this is probably the only fixed set that's that's not tight. It's not tight. The back end hangs out in the truck at Phoenix. It's, it is fun. Then I ran uh, Chris McGuire Supercars at Michigan. If you recall, last week, I got booted out of one of their races for wrecking the field accidentally. So I wasn't sure if they were gonna permanently ban me or not, and they didn't. Uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Anyway, I ran supercars at Michigan. We were running into green flag stops at the pack. Oh, this is where I wrecked them. Uh, it says I was gonna go one more lap than the rest of them, because I was saving fuel, and they, they all pitted around me, and I kinda got boxed in, and I wrecked like three or four of them because I tried to stay on track. Anyway, they booted me out, and so, yeah, that's what happened. Then I ran Skip Barber at Monza, qualified dead last, uh, 16th, got wrecked hard on lap one, had to get repairs, finished 21st. This is a fun combination because it's the Monza version with no chicane, and it incorporates the oval and the road. And it is fast, it is really fast, really fun. Then FIA F4 at Sebring, started 9th, finished 11th. 
then Draftmaster, 87 at Daytona, qualified 16th, got wrecked out hard on lap one, uh, was uh, was dead last, stayed in the race, and somehow got back to 13th. Then I ran Chris McGuire uh, 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 prototypes at Daytona prototypes at Michigan at night, and there's no lights at Michigan. And so uh, they have headlights, and so it was, it was kind of fun, but I got wrecked out. And then finally, old IndyCar at Monza, again, uh, combined no chicane, it was super fun, P11. Brad Wren, what do you got? Uh, so I ran the uh, Falcon Sports Car Challenge, that's at Daytona uh, this week, just trying to get a little prep for the roar. Um, so I ended up P5, started P7, um, start was just really jacked up um you know typical multi-class race and let the prototypes go so the lmp2s they kind of got going and then all of a sudden you know we're gt4 so we're middle class and everybody takes off and then we get to the first corner and bam there look we're all over top of the lmp2s so cars everywhere it was a disaster uh, managed to get through it without getting any damage um was in a back to 15th just kind of just kept plucking them off one at a time um you know a lot of guys were just overdriving stuff but one thing they kept they got me was was good till two laps to go was running uh fourth uh and ended up just barely cutting the bus stop and ended up with a you know a, a, a speed a time penalty um so super frustrated with that but really had a good good race uh with a couple guys it was a lot of fun okay and then john uh be open p12 yeah i, I had a lot of fun on this track with the with the uh, xfinity car but had a good car easily a top five car but we had a guy in this race that was just a super turd merchant man he was just doing i mean he was taking people out he took me out and admitted it when he was a lap down on the restart he you know he's one of these guys that jumped it went on the outside made it three wide and caused another wreck and you know i everything this guy did was reportable offense but i didn't do it because i i i just thought man this guy's gotta be having a bad day nobody's that that bad so you know took the p12 and that was it but it was fun race so he was a turd merchant, huh? He was. I mean, he, he was trying to convince everybody that he took it three wide and jumped the restart because with five laps to go, he was going to come back from 21st place a lap down and win the race. Uh, sorry, bud, not going to happen. Okay, and then Brad, uh, Imza. Yeah, so I ended up running two of these. Uh, uh, David convinced me to go ahead and run. And first one I ended up getting wrecked out of, uh, pretty frustrated. So ended up running another one. Um, so I ended up P10 in class. Um, I'm starting 14th. You know, I was telling David, trying to run this weekly series, uh, just taking a beat in SR. So you know, he's like, hey, come run Lamar. You you can get a lot of it back. So uh, ended up, you know, this race ended up picking him up, up almost a whole point in SR, which was good. So. Um, it had a, a pretty decent race, but Lamont is another one where you get a lot of slowdowns. Um, just barely cut my corner a little bit too close, so uh, gave up a P7 because of it. So just frustrating, but again, glad to, to get some SR back. Yeah, the, the thing about Lamont is it's, it doesn't get you with off tracks; it gets you with the slowdowns, um, which in some ways is kind of a lot better. 
than messing with all the off tracks at, at spa because uh, it, it really more directly affects your race right then whereas uh when i'm running spa if i've got sr to give i'm gonna i'm going to get 10x almost intentionally i'm going to go ahead and give up you know an, enough of it because otherwise i'm not running hard enough and if I've got the SR to burn. So I, and even though it'll hit you, it, in some ways I do like it better. Um, but yeah, and on top, but additionally on top of that, because it's such a big track, you can rack up a lot of, a lot of safety rating just in a couple of races. I went during the Le Mans week, I was down in the ones and, and, and got all the way back up to 499, just running like five or six Le Mans races. Um, and an interesting thing to think about that, I, that I've said to the team and I want to kind of everybody hear it a, a couple of the guys would not come run Le Mans that want to run Daytona because they're like no man I'm four seconds off the pace there against the aliens right I'm four seconds off the pace there it's just so slow there I did the math and four seconds off the pace of the Le Mans is the same as being three tenths off the pace at, at a mile and a half so realize that if, when you're out there racing at Le Mans and you see these gigantic intervals, that it's a big track and that's why the intervals are so big. Don't get down on yourself if, if you're a few seconds off of the leader, who also at a popular track like Le Mans, you're not gonna have to race. Thanks for being such a good encourager, David. <laughs> Is that kind of like at the Mount Washington hill climb when I'm 20 seconds off of a uh... The world record by Travis Pastrana. I'm like, where is, where am I losing 20 seconds? Like, I had a good run up the hill, and I, I'm 20 seconds off. I just, I, I don't see where that 20 seconds is. Well, think of how, how much time you can lose at the ring, right? You can be, yeah, you can be 10 minutes off. Kind of course. And, and it's the percentages. Yep. Yeah. In reality, I'm not that far off of. Pastrana in his world record at a you know a five minute lap you know um, because like you said it's scale. All right, jump to final thoughts, David Hall. I guess I kind of gave mine already. Next. All right, Brian McCubbin, final thought. Uh, so yeah, I got the computer put together. Um, it went together without a hitch, man. It worked. It went went together great. Um, so if if you're out there and you're concerned about doing a computer build on your own it's definitely doable um it's nice that i had a lot of guys teammates here who were willing to help if i had issues as a backup but i did a lot of research watched a lot of youtube videos i'm going to shout out to a couple channels that i really used um to learn how to do this and and pitfalls to look out for uh jay's two cents we talked about him earlier with his um his sim rig build um, gamer nexus is a great channel for learning the intricacies and testing of products Products. Uh, Paul's hardware was really good for me. Um, the Provoked Prawn was was a really good site for helping w with wiring and how and, and wire connections and lighting fans and stuff like that. And another one was uh, Ben Roland, who who program I watched a couple of times. He did a full build, and he used the actual same exact motherboard that I did. So while I'm watching him build, I I know that I'm doing the same exact things basically, on because we were using the same exact motherboard. So. Um, 
YouTube's a great uh, resource for stuff like that, where you can really learn a lot, and uh, and uh, you you can do it. It's uh, it was it was actually a lot of fun. If I had to do it over again, I could have done it in like a quarter of the time that it took me. Uh, but you know, I was taking my time, make sure I was doing everything right by uh, and, and watching videos along the way. So it, it works. It's working out great. So uh, I can't say enough for uh, building your own PC if you have the opportunity. Yeah. And uh, Brad Wren, final thoughts. Um, pull the trigger finally on a button box. So ended up uh, taking Mike's suggestion and went with an ignition controls. So waiting for that to come in. Finally found a, uh, a, a mount for that. Um, so waiting for that to come in as well. Uh, picked up, a, I guess, a mount for, I got an old smartphone upstairs. So I'm going to try to go the, the cheap route for a DDU. Um, so I've got a, a mount coming to, to put that in. So just kind of wait for that stuff to come in. And then uh, I'm going to take and undo the, the nest of wires. I picked up some Velcro straps for Christmas. So I'm going to go ahead and once I get these in, kind of restrap everything and clean up the, uh, it's not a mess right now. It's just, it's all zip ties in the back. So kind of clean it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, keep trying to keep prepping for, uh, for Daytona and uh, just keep having some fun. So. Yeah, you're going to love that box. Ignition controls. It's not thick. It's, I mean, most button boxes are thick. This is like one inch deep. It's not very thick. It's metal. It is, it's not like a 3D printed thing. It's literally metal. Um, it's, the quality is great. I think they're out of Poland, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. When I got the track and stuff, I knew they were in Europe, but then I saw the track and I was like, oh, Poland. That could take a few days. All right, John Curley, your final thoughts. Yeah, a couple of things. I'm going to put a new uh, video card in the computer this weekend so I can get the triples up and running finally. Looking forward to that. And then uh, going to spend some time getting ready for the 24-hour race. So I've, I've got to get on that road track and, and uh, work on it and get it figured out. Look, get in hosted. There's a million Daytona practices right now, every day, all day long. They're usually European. That's the ones you want to get in. I mean, those guys are out there slaying it. Get in there and run in traffic. Look, you can go run by yourself. You can do an AI race. But I think, you know, being around real people and other cars doing crazy stuff in a practice session is, uh, is a good place to kind of get your feet wet. Yeah, especially with multi-class. So, John, if you've never run multi-class, it'd be good to get out there and practice, spend some time. Um, understanding that because they'll come up on you quick and uh, you just got to be prepared and ready. Yeah, you're in the slower car. These fast cars are going to be zipping by you. Need to learn how to get out of the way, huh? No, race your line. Give them room, but race your line. Be predictable. That's what you got to be. Yeah, but be predictable. be predictable, but do be do realize that you can't race your line if they're already beside you going into the next corner. At that time, you're gonna the at that time if they've already safely gotten beside you, check up a little early and tuck in behind them. Just never do anything until they're already beside you. Basically, correct. All right, my final thoughts. I have a couple of hardware issues. Uh, one was. My wheel was making a weird noise and couldn't figure out what it was and kind of rattled when I would hit bumps and stuff and couldn't I finally nailed it down. The 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 bolts that hold the actual Max Pappas wheel to the uh extender, there's three of them. 
they had actually worked themselves loose and were hollowing out the little three holes. Um, and so the, when I took the pad, the big, you know, pad off the middle, there were metal shavings everywhere because it was hollowing out the hole. And so I was like, I might have like permanently ruined this wheel. But I went, took it off, I got the wrench out, and I tightened that bitch down as hard as I could. And it, it, it's not loose now, but uh, it will it hold is the question. I don't know if, uh, is it going to break loose again? Um, do I need to permanently, you know, every month go and tighten this damn thing? I don't know, but I got it fixed for now. The second thing is I've always spoke about before I moved, I had the upright sagging about an inch on the left side um, on my rig. And I fixed it when I moved. I took it apart. I retightened the bolts. I put them as tight as I could. And I got it all lined up. And, uh, you know, I'm strolling around earlier today and I'm kind of looking at my rig and it kind of looks like it's off center or something or it's sagging. And I start looking and sure enough, that freaking left upright on my P1X is down where it was again at my old house. It has sunk about an inch, inch and a half uh, compared to the right side. And so I'm speculating now I've used the wrong length bolts or something. All right? I don't have the right hardware uh, to, uh, and that's why this is happening. I don't know. I guess it shows how not handy I am uh, that I have these problems. Um, but um, you know, the sagging thing, I'm not taking it apart. It's probably gonna stay that way until I move again. But uh, the wheel, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping it's gonna hold. Hey, with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.